Once you've heard high-fidelity reproduction, you'll be hard to satisfy with anything less. And what is so damn important? Who are these people? Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go! I accept every compliment on behalf of the House Democrats whose uh, intellect... <laughs> but one thing is for sure, a California team will go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Good morning and welcome to the view. Um, you all saw the news. Whoopi will be back here in two weeks. Okay. We're told this rig was carrying pizza cheese and then the semi exploded, but the driver was able to escape without any injuries. But for some regions, this will be an ice storm taking aim at the power grid. No one can guarantee that there won't be a, quote, uh, load shed event. But what we will work and strive to achieve and what we're prepared to achieve is that the power is going to stay on. We got a prediction. Today, 2 2 22. To celebrate Groundhog Day, with my shadow I have cast, then a long, lustrous six more weeks of winter. Then put your little hand in mine, there ain't no yellow mountain we can climb. Hey. I got you. Jack Riccardi. 4 till 7, News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. Good afternoon. Welcome to the uh, PM version of our show. I am Jack Riccardi. This is 550 and 1071, KTSA. Who would have thought, here we are a month into the new year, who would have thought the most famous woman in the world would be Whoopi Goldberg? I didn't have her on my, uh, I didn't put my money on her square. Anyway, uh, I'm so sick and tired of this story, too. Good grief. Mara, it's only Wednesday. Had enough. Whoopee. I don't want to make any more whoopee. Anyway, welcome to the show, 210-599-5555. There's another media story today. The president of CNN has quit, and not for the reason you would think, which is that they've lost 90% of their audience in the last 18 months. No, Jeff Zucker has left CNN because it turns out that when they were doing the uh, Chris Cuomo investigation, he didn't reveal or was supposed to reveal and didn't reveal or was asked a question and gave a dissembling answer about the fact that he's in a relationship with one of the other CNN people. It's an executive, not somebody you watch on the channel. So uh, somebody now says CNN is now the most busted name in news. So Jeff Zucker resigns from CNN after uh, admitting to this affair. Talk about unexpected outcomes. Can we talk here for a minute? Can we talk? Who used to say that? Was that Joan Rivers? Can we talk? Who would have thought that Jeff Zucker would be gone, but Jeffrey Tubin would still have his job at CNN? You know, if, if I told you a month ago, Jeff Zucker, Chris Cuomo, Jeffrey Tubin. Who's on the thinnest ice? Who's the most likely to go next? You would have said Jeffrey Tubin. He's still there. He's sticking it out, you might say. Oh, sorry. He's, um... <laughs> somebody said he's the only person at CNN that keeps his hands to himself. 
That's what they're saying now at HR. They're saying, could everybody just try to be more like Jeffrey Tubin? You know, that's what we need. He's, he's a model employee for our company. So CNN's president is out. Um, over at MSNBC, Mika Brzezinski is having a major case of remorse about cancel culture. They've, they finally found a cancel culture moment that A, they don't like, and B, they believe in. Because remember, most of the time when we talk about cancel culture, that's just a figment of our fevered QAnon imaginations. But but now, now even Mika has got the blues over Whoopi's suspension. She can't, she can't believe this is happening to her, uh, you know, her brethren over there at the other network. Here's Mika having all her morning remorse this morning. Two things that come to my mind as I as I've been watching this unfold over the past 48 hours. First of all, the education that can be had out of this, the conversations, it's been good. The forgiveness has been important. The learning that has come out of the forgiveness and the learning moments has been valuable to the audience of The View. And Whoopi Goldberg Everyone knows Whoopi Goldberg. She's been on TV for decades. She's been putting herself out there for decades. If you don't know her heart, then you haven't been watching. And so that's why the two-week suspension to me seems more about something else and Mm. something that maybe we need to start putting behind us. Mm. Which is this this unbelievable need to punish and judge oh, people and when they've people. made a mistake oh. yeah. or when they've learned oh, something yeah. out in the open with the public watching. It is Joe, hard for some people. Joe, this isn't supposed to happen to people we like. This, is, this isn't supposed to happen to people that are on our side. Right? It sort of sounds like they did. Remember when all, those, all these uh, left-wing media people were suddenly getting covid and they were shocked. How could this happen? We did everything we were supposed to do. We kissed the Fauci ring. We, we wore masks. How could we get COVID? How could, how could Whoopi get taken off the air? Everyone knows Whoopi Goldberg. Hmm. Yeah, um, I'd forgotten about this. Somebody on the show this morning reminded me, uh, do you remember Gina Carano? Does that name ring a bell? Gina Carano was a um, uh, a WWE personality who Disney ABC uh, hired and then fired because she had tweeted out about the uh, election and some other things. She had, she, in other words, she had, she had tweeted out some politically controversial uh, things. I don't believe any of them were about the Holocaust. I don't remember all of them, but I don't think any of them had anything to do with the Holocaust. Um, And they fired her. But they gave Whoopi a two-week vacation during probably the two coldest months, the two two coldest weeks of the year. She doesn't have to leave her home and go into Midtown to do the show. So, I mean, I'm over it. Unless somebody has something original to say about it, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Can we? Can we please not? Um, Whoopi Goldberg just said stuff that a lot of them think, and uh, that's just the truth. It's it, she said the quiet part out loud. You know what she said is basically what critical race theory is, right? It's reframing everything in terms of 
uh, white against black racism, which is the only kind of racism there is. And if you can't have that, if you can't find that in a story, then there's no race component to the story. That's the only way racism works. That's what they say. That's what they teach. That's what people like the view and Mika Brzezinski defend. So I don't know why we would suspend her. We ought to give her a medal. She's, she's speaking her lines beautifully. And then we got the news today that um, the Washington football team has chosen their new name. The wait is over. They had about two or three years to work on this because they couldn't be the Redskins anymore. That was not going to happen, not going to work. And so they became the Washington football team, which is what I like to think of as the Hill Country Fair name of, of a sports team. It's like, it's like a brand name that's not a brand name. So um, they became the Washington football team. It was very awkward on, on sports casts because they'd, they'd have to refer to them as the Washington football team or the football team for short. Anyway, um, there were leaks. There were rumors. They, at one point they announced they were eliminating a bunch of names that sounded pretty cool, like Red Wolves was under consideration. They said, no, we're not going to do that. I don't know why. And so this morning they announced officially that they'll be known as the Washington Commanders. They came up with a worse name than Washington football team. I didn't think it was possible. Excellent work, guys. Very well done. I I didn't think you could do worse than Washington football team, and you've done it. First thing I think of when I think Washington Commanders is if you were making a, a movie about a fictional football team, you'd probably call them the commanders because no one would use that name it's su- such a it's such a dog it's such a it's such a loser of a name that it would be the fictional name of the team you know when you got to have a name that isn't replicating an actual team yeah the commanders and i know i know what you're thinking jack how can you run it down how can you put it down the san antonio commanders were in the aaf for 5 seconds I know, I know we had a team in the AAF that was the San Antonio Commanders. I didn't say anything, but I was a little underwhelmed by that too, to be honest with you. So the point here of of calling them the Washington Commanders is they thought it was a good tie-in with where the team plays, Washington, D.C., Commanders. I guess it could have been bureaucrats. Then they could have been the Kratz for short, which is kind of cool. Problem with commanders is, how do you shorten it? Like the Buccaneers or the Bucks? The Vikings or the Vikes? The Patriots or the Pats? The commanders are, yeah, see? No. Can't, can't really do that, can you? Commies? I don't know. Today's the warmest weather we're going to see for the next few days. Joining us to talk about what's coming is KTSA AccuWeather meteorologist Bob Larson. And, Bob, thanks for making time for us. Just kind of wondering what the timeline looks like for the front to arrive and then the freezing or somewhat freezing precip or whatever it's going to be. Hi there, Jack. Well, the front's coming through right now. North Northeast wind has picked up uh, within the past hour, not gusting past 20 miles per hour. 
We've seen the temperature drop about 5 degrees over the past 90 minutes. It's not going to be a rapid drop of 20 degrees in two hours or anything along those lines, but a slow and continuous drop in temperature that will take us to near the freezing mark by daybreak. I think we'll still be just above freezing in the city of San Antonio, but it's going to drop into the upper 20s overnight in the Hill Country. That's where there's going to be some icing that will begin after 2, 3 a.m. If we have any icing around the city itself, uh, I think that uh, is potentially more likely around mid to late morning tomorrow, more so than tonight. The winter weather advisory does not kick in until 6 a.m., but incidentally, that continues until 9 p.m. on Thursday. Mm. Now, you know, you have school districts, Bob, trying to figure out what to do about tomorrow. And if, if, as you said, it isn't icing up in the morning commute, but it does during the day, how will that linger or will that linger into the afternoon when kids would be getting picked up or getting on buses or whatever in the afternoon? That's a challenging, uh, certainly a challenging decision to make because if, uh, if, if for no other reason, Jack, as it continues to turn colder, I could see the temperature drop into 31, 30 by noon or mid-afternoon, but at the same time, the precipitation will begin to let up. So uh, if, if it's drying out while it's turning colder, that's generally not an issue. But the, uh, the feeling is there can at least still be some late rain or drizzle combined with temperatures dropping to 32 or lower starting around mid-morning, at least into early afternoon. And that could cause, could cause problems for the afternoon uh, return from school and return from work in the afternoon. I do believe that while it's going to be very cold tomorrow night, tomorrow night looks to be dry, perhaps even a little bit of clearing, a few breaks in the overcast, but mid-20s, if not low-20s tomorrow night. In fact, in the Hill Country tomorrow night into Friday morning, could see the temperature drop into the upper teens. Hmm. And so the the main difference between what we're expecting right now and last February is this is a fairly short blast, not a lot prolonged cold. Right, that was an historic outbreak as we as we know from last year, and it was accompanied by not only the extreme cold over a long duration, but a couple of separate storm systems that came through. And I don't once we get beyond tomorrow, particularly beyond at least early afternoon tomorrow. I don't see any other precipitation for a while. I don't mean to imply it's just one night of cold and then it goes away. We're going to stay chilly right on into the weekend, if not through the weekend, at least Mm -hmm. by night. Once the sun comes out, we'll see temperatures climb back to the 40s Saturday, but nighttime lows can still be out or below freezing all the way through Sunday night. So in that sense, it'll last a little while, but uh, notice that we're talking about generally clear skies at that point, not additional storms coming through. Very good. Bob Larson, thank you, sir, for the time. We appreciate it. We'll check back with you. Our KTSA AccuWeather forecast is calling for a uh, windy night with some scattered rain and 32, and then maybe some showers and some sleet tomorrow, a high of only 35, and we will probably fall from that during the day tomorrow. And then Friday, cloudy with a high of only 39. It's 58 at San Antonio Severe Weather Station, 550 and 1071 KTSA. And uh, we mentioned school closures. Bernie uh isd has already canceled uh classes for tomorrow a lot of other school districts have simply said we're monitoring conditions we're gonna take a look at it we're thinking about it but they haven't made the announcements yet and we'll be updating you in our ktsa newscasts and also at ktsa.com all right so unless you've got something killer like an observation that will just blow our mind I think we may declare this a whoopee free zone today. What do you think? I'm, I mean, is, are you with me on that? I mean, I just, I, I don't, I'm not going easy on her. I just, there's only so much of this I can take, you know? I'm one man. 
but what about the new Washington football team, the Commanders? Um, how uh, how whelmed are you by that? Sam is on KTSA at two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Sam, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Hey, I think that uh, they should have named the uh, NFL Washington team the Washington Sentinels, and uh, Shane Falco will be their quarterback. <laughs> Boy, that's such an original idea. But it has that kind of ring to it, right? It has that kind of made-up, not-a-real-team name, doesn't it? But I like that. I, I love that movie. And, you know, that movie has yeah. Canoe Reeves, uh, Gene Ackman. It even had some cameo yeah. appearances uh, with uh, How sad Morales. is that? The made-up name for a movie is a better name than the name of the actual team. The Washington Sentinels and Shane Falco will be the quarterback. So some, some, some scriptwriter who probably doesn't even watch football came up with a better name than a group of people that had two or three years to work on it. That's that's unbelievable to me. Sam, thanks for the call. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. The The Washington Commanders. You know, um, I'm a car buff, and I had to look this up to make sure I was remembering right. Studebaker, obviously been gone a long time, was a big car company, made cars in the Midwest, uh, was one of the major automobile makers uh, up until they went out of business in the 1960s, I think. But anyway, Studebaker in the 1920s and 30s had a model called the Dictator. Um, This is true. You can look it up if you don't believe me. They had a model called the Dictator, the Studebaker Dictator. I think Dictators would be a great name for the Washington football team. And think about shortening that name. Go ahead. I can't say it. Go ahead. I'm not, you know, I can't do everything here. But that would be some, sportscasters would have some kind of challenge on their hands with that. It wouldn't be long. I'm, I'm pretty sure it would not be long. Pardon the pun. Jeffrey Tubin just seems to come back into this conversation no matter where we go, doesn't he? Um, yeah, so Washington Commanders. You know, the other thing that's weird is they, they designed a crest for the new name that looks very old, like it's a tri- like they've been around for a long time. It's since, it says since 1932. Well, that may be the history of the team. That's not the history of the name. But then on the crest that they unveiled today, when they unveiled their uniform and all the other things, on the crest they list their Super Bowl winning years. But it's kind of weird to me, and I don't know, maybe Maybe somebody can correct me if I'm wrong about this. When I think of a team winning the Super Bowl, if I think, if I like, if I refer to the, the Super Bowl winning Chicago Bears of 1986, that's because they, they won it during the 86 season. I know the Super Bowl was played the following year, but nobody, nobody talks about the 87 Bears. It's the 86 Bears. See what I'm saying? So you, you refer to the team's achievements or accomplishments by the year of the season, not the year of the Super Bowl. Because you're playing your Super Bowl the following January or February. Well, they went ahead and commemorated their Super Bowl win for the following year. It just seems weird. Nobody does that. But still, commanders. Again, it could have been worse, as we have just explored. You know, uh, you you got a problem when... um, you get fired at CNN, and you see Jeffrey Tubin still has his job. Just saying. You know what I mean? That's a problem. So a, a, a group of um, economists, 
from this country and other countries did a meta-review of studies on COVID lockdowns and shutdowns. They studied three kinds. They studied, um, you know, lockdowns themselves where, where stuff was closed, shutdowns, and what they called NPIs, which were non-pharmaceutical interventions. That was either a compulsory behavior or restriction on movement, like someplace you couldn't go or you couldn't travel. So they looked at all these things. They studied thousands and thousands of studies. That's why it's a meta-review. It's a study of studies. And they came to the conclusion that this, all of this had little to no effect on COVID-19 mortality. It might have moved the needle by 0.2% on average. Again, looking around the world. And so it did not work on COVID. And you notice suddenly there's no one defending these things anymore. And everyone is saying, even the people that advocated for them most forcefully now are, are advocating for the lifting of them. But that's not the whole story. So we, we now know that what we did wasn't the right thing to do. It didn't help. It didn't save lives. We, we also know that it cost us lives and cost us in our lives. We know that kids are shouldering the burdens of diminished educations and altered psychology and that study that said uh, young kids are even having speech pathology issues because of mask wearing. So the disaster goes beyond just it didn't work. And I guess the question I have is, um, if you or I, in our jobs, failed this spectacularly, we'd either be fired or we'd have to account for our failure. We'd be asked to explain, be called on the carpet, right? You'd have to explain in front of everybody. And I don't get the feeling that's going to happen. I don't see anybody, do you? I don't see anybody saying, boy, I really got this wrong. I'm in the wrong line of work. I take responsibility. I'm stepping down. It's interesting. We had a caller a day or two ago say that they thought masks were going to be like the, 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 I guess you'd say the security theater that they do at the airports. You know, we go through the motions of all these security procedures at the airport because of 9-11, not because Anybody is still trying to do those things, but because that ritual of taking off belts and shoes is is vaguely reassuring to people who would think if we didn't do it, we were throwing caution to the wind. And I saw, I thought of that when I read the story today. Ryanair, which is a European budget airline, uh, one of their executives in an interview says that masks are going to be permanent on air travel. And she said, because it will be like the anti-terror rules, people will expect it. So 9-11 led to a bunch of precautions with diminishing returns and justifications, and now COVID is going to give us a bunch of rituals and things we'll go through 
not because they're effective, they're, they're not, but because there will be people amongst us who would feel naked or threatened or risked at risk if uh, we didn't do those things. And I noticed that um, the new Attorney General of Virginia, Jason Miaris, has succeeded in getting the major universities in that state. I mean, these guys just took office, right? Uh, Glenn Youngkin and Winston Sears and Jason Miaris, they just took office about two or three weeks ago. They've succeeded in getting George Mason University, Virginia Tech, and a couple of others to reform their previous vaccine mandates for students. They're now recommending vaccinations, but not having negative consequences uh, for the holdouts. And have you heard about the State of the Union speech? Nancy Pelosi's plan, and again, this is a rumor, it may or may not be true. Nancy Pelosi's plan for the State of the Union address, which is coming up in a few weeks, is that only 25 people will be allowed in the House chamber. Limiting in-person attendance to the State of the Union to 25 people. Axios.com reported this and said they got it from somebody on House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy's staff. And if that's true, you got to wonder why that would be. I mean, politicians are partying without masks. They're going to restaurants without masks. They fly on airplanes constantly. Uh, why would we have only 25 people in the House chamber? Is it an abundance of caution for President Biden? I imagine that there's great anxiety about him getting COVID. And I'm not saying this to be mocking him or anything. I I would imagine the White House staff is fanatical about that. That must not be allowed to happen, right? So maybe that's what's going on here. But how does it look that this major spectacle, this annual ritual of our system, has to be so artificial and contrived the third year of COVID? If it's true, we'll see if it is. 210-599-5555. We're waiting on the weather, and we're keeping an eye on that. We'll have another update here from our KTSA AccuWeather meteorologists. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has announced its 2022 nominees. These are the acts that are eligible. They're, they're, they're going to have to be voted on, so not all of these will get in. But among the nominees, I'm just going to read some of them and see if you notice what I noticed. So the, among the nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Pat Benatar, Kate Bush, Devo, Duran Duran, Eminem, Eurythmics, Judas Priest, MC5, New York Dolls, Dolly Parton, Rage Against the Machine, Lionel Richie, Carly Simon, Tribe Called Quest, Dion Warwick. Um, I'm not hating on anybody when I say this, but... Uh, is that all rock and roll? I mean, I love Dolly Parton. Okay, Dolly Parton's a great American. Right? We all love Dolly Parton. She's one of our greatest. Not a rocker. I mean, there must be some Hall of Fame Dolly Parton should be in. I don't think this is the one. Lionel Richie. Look, I made a, I made a career in music radio playing Lionel Richie. I've played Lionel Richie. Okay. You want, I mean, all night long, hello, penny lover, I'm your guy. Okay? He's 
He's he's a talented man. He's had a long career. Uh, should he be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Is that, are you? Is that the vibe you're getting from Lionel Richie? Dionne Warwick. Love Dionne Warwick. Love her. Great lady. Not many people sang in the late 60s and 70s better than Dionne Warwick. Consummate artist. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? What the hell's going on here? I mean, this, this, this list is like all over the place. I don't get the concept. I really don't. I, I realize that the word rock or the term rock is not a, a rigid, exact thing. I mean, it, it, obviously, if, if you tried to make it that, you'd be missing the whole point of the music. It's, it's got to be a very broadly defined kind of music. just has to be. But do you, do you think they've maybe missed their, like, lost the thread of this or missed the point of this? Or it, It's almost like this is just now a list of famous people who've made music. I mean, why not Pavarotti or, you know, <laughs> it, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. And I, and like, I love the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We did our show there back when we were on Into the Night. We broadcast from there. Uh, I think this was about 2002, 2003. They were great to us. We had a wonderful time. Uh, they have a radio studio right inside. So you're, you're actually in this little custom studio in the middle of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The only thing that was weird about it was because we were on at night, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was closed while we were broadcasting from there. That was a little that was a little strange. It was just like me and a producer and an intern and the night watchman. But, um, yeah, it's a great thing. It's a great idea. But I'm not getting uh, Dionne Warwick and Dolly Parton. Maybe something, maybe, a, maybe there should be like a pop Hall of Fame or a... Easy Listening Hall of Fame. Where would they, where would they, where would they locate the Easy Listening Music Hall of Fame? Where would they, <laughs> the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland. Where would you put the the Soft Rock Hall of Fame? I don't know. Probably at Jack's house. Yeah. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. What are your thoughts about that? Again, these are awesome artists. Uh, it's unbelievable to me that Pat Benatar is not already in there. I don't. How is that? How are we still voting on Pat Benatar? Right, Pat Benatar should should have been in a long time ago. Maybe I'm missing some rule or something. Maybe she wasn't eligible, but I I would think um, Pat Benatar is the slam dunk. I I like Duran Duran. I don't know if I would characterize them as rock or they, they, they again they seem more in the pop thing. But okay, maybe um, Eurythmics. Um, that's okay. Judas Priest. Okay. Um, I don't know. Something about Eminem might be a problem too. And again, I'm not against Eminem, but it, it's it's just it's just stretching the word to cover a lot of real estate. And like, if you were to use as an example a rock radio station, okay, and I don't care how big their playlist is, okay, I don't care where you go, you could go to any city in this country, find the rock radio station on the FM dial. Are they playing Dionne Warwick? Have they ever played Eminem? Pretty sure they've played Pat Benatar. Probably have played Kate Bush. Kate Bush is a little obscure. She did Running Up That Hill. Remember that song? Like 1985. Do you have that one done? Kind of a weird song. It's it's kind of odd sounding, but it's even weirder if you read the lyrics. 
I love the song. It's like an earworm. I loved it the first time I heard it. I remember playing it on radio. Uh, it, it is kind of a strange song. But I guess to Kate Bush's credit, she went her own way. She did her own thing. No one ever confuses a Kate Bush record with anything else. If you if you hear Running Up That Hill, you won't confuse it with some other song or some other artist. Here it is. Yeah, I, I love it. I don't know what she's... I have no idea what the hell she's talking about, but it's a good song. As long as you're not into, like, lyrics that mean things. So, like, if you're singing it out loud, you might somebody might look at you funny. You're a say this all right if i was a if i was a voter and i'm not rock and roll hall of fame pat benatar devo judas priest new york dolls rage against the machine duran duran i'll give it to them you know hard not to like those guys and i i i've known some women that really love duran duran so for the ladies duran duran i have to say no on Dion warwick carly simon Lionel Richie, Eminem, like them all, not rock. That's not rock. And if this is going to mean anything, they got to they got to figure out a lane. It can be a wide lane, but they got to figure out a lane. The Country Music Hall of Fame doesn't put Eminem in it, or you know, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. You can't do it, can you? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Larry is on KTSa. Hi, Larry. Hey, Jack. I, I love this subject. I just think it's fun, and it, it makes me laugh because I remember when all we had, we didn't have VH1, we had just MTV. Mm, yeah. And, and how many times did you see uh, George Michael, uh, pink shorts George Michael, <laughs> on the same channel as Guns N' Roses or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those groups? I kind of think it's because... There isn't any. You, you are, you, we answered our own question because I agree with you. It's an odd question. Like, why is this this way? But it's like there was only MTV for such a long time, mm-hmm. and everything had to get funneled into one place. I don't. Where do you put Dion Warwick? There isn't a. Right. Do you know your way to San Jose place to go? Right. You know. Right. Right. I think you're right, though. They should at least categorize it or something because that's definitely not rock. I'll tell you what I think. I'll tell you what I think happens, though. Uh, A lot of a lot of rock artists are also music enthusiasts. Like Bono, if you listen to an interview with Bono, he loves the widest variety of music you can imagine. And so I think what this reflects is that rock and roll has enthusiasm for all these other kinds of music, and it owes its you know it owes its existence to a lot of other kinds of music, right? The blues and R and B. So I think they. I think they just naturally want to pull them all in. Yeah, there's a lot of respect. Uh, you think about the Rolling Stones, and you you said blues. I was going to ask you, is B.B. King okay for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I mean, he's not l- legitimately rock and roll, although I've seen him play rock and roll. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's re- that's I it mean, right there, I think. I mean, he wouldn't be, if you went to a, a music store, he wouldn't be in the rock section. But has oh, he been no, on stage not. with you, too? Yes. Is he, does his yeah. music get covered by rock stars? Yes. So I would say yes, he, he would belong. But Dionne Warwick, they're not going to, you know, th- there's not going to be a, a <laughs> duet between you two and Dionne Warwick. I mean, that's not going to happen, or Carly Simon. So, Larry, thank you for the call. Maybe the problem with a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is that rock and roll itself is so countercultural and and defiant that you can't make any rules for it. It can't, ha- it, it can't have a Hall of Fame, right? I mean, if you were a pure rocker, you'd reject admission to the Hall of Fame. You'd say, I don't want that. I'm not. I'm not coming to the induction ceremony, and several of them have done that. They've said, I'm, "I won't participate. I don't want to be any part of that." So the the essence of rock would be Hall of Fame. F that. We don't want. You know, we're not doing that. That means you're old. That, that means you're all done. I don't want to be a plaque on the wall. So I don't know. Um, it's it's an interesting thing. I I noticed over the years there would always be a few outliers in the nominating list or the nominee list and um but this year's list seems really kind of scattered like you know they were pulling names out of a hat or something mike is on ktsa hi mike hey how you doing man what do you think about all this well uh, to be honest um, i'm not sure about like dion warwick or um or the others but uh, but if i'm not if i'm not mistaken i think eminem did a song with aerosmith yeah so perhaps yeah. there's no, so perhaps there's something in you know like a like a requirement or just by having some type of rock song in their in their um, you know playlist. That's a good point. That yeah, that's a good up. point. And I guess you could also say Eminem has the like the attitude of a rock star. Like he his approach to music, his approach to what he's doing is you know fits. He's not singing big band music or jazz or you know what i mean so yeah i i guess yeah I, you know what you you've convinced me mike i'm gonna swing i'll swing eminem over to my to yes on my ballot all right all right man thanks <laughs> i like it thank you sir uh robert is on ktsa hi robert hello jack how are you doing today uh, i'm good sir how are you yes sir i'm doing fine i just i was talking to your producer and i said it should be called the music hall of fame although after listening to everything, I'm thinking it should just be bare bones. Just cut it dry. Just call it uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But have I was personally Chuck Berry. I mean, the real rock and rollers, the ones that really started it all for the ones that went on that foundation. And they uh, somewhat even went backer than that. But uh, Django Ranhart, I mean, they can, I mean, the ones that really founded the music for the foundation mm-hmm. of rock and roll, if mm-hmm. you want to call it that. But right now, what they're doing is they're just categorizing all types of music inside this rock. It's not rock and roll. Uh, I like well, uh, Duran Duran, but yeah, I mean, maybe rock. the goal is to get the maximum number of people interested, and they figure if we include all these other outlying artists, more people will take an interest. More people maybe will come to the museum, or I, I mean, I, I guess it's good business to throw the net wide. But it sounds funny to say. We're inducting Carly Simon or or Lionel Richie into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's just that just sounds kind of random, you know. Um, why not Lawrence Welk or you know? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do that, thank you, Robert. I appreciate the call, sir. Um, thank you. You know, I I think um, Larry mentioned MTV, and we've talked about MTV on the show before. 
MTV, if you know this, 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 the history of MTV, MTV came about because what they played, music videos, already existed. So the record companies were already making music videos before there ever was an MTV. And somebody had the idea of populating a channel with this free, uh, you know, free content in our business. Our, that's, a, that's a magic term. If you can say free content, you get the attention of every executive uh, in town. So they had this free content that didn't really have any place to go. It, they would make these videos to promote the release of a new single or a new album or an artist. And um, lo and behold, we can put them on this channel. It, it will cost us very little as long as we can get clearance in all the major markets on the cable operators. Uh, this is going to be a, a, a huge thing. And they, they pulled it off. They played a lot of different kinds of music because, as Larry correctly points out, there was only MTV. They weren't like radio stations that specialized. Radio stations specialize because there's so many radio stations, right? The only way a radio station can stay in business is if it carves out a niche and, and occupies that niche. But when you're MTV, you're all those things. You're everything. So they did that. You know, you could, you could watch MTV and see Kenny G playing his saxophone. And you could see, um, you know, Diana Ross. And you could, see, you know, all these different things. And you could see country acts. You could see Juice Newton or Dolly Parton. Uh, or Amy Grant. So it was all these different things, but that's why it was like that. And um, I don't know, maybe they should call this something other than the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If it is going to be like the MTV of of museums, maybe it is the Pop Music Hall of Fame or something like that. Kent is on 550 and one KTSA. Hi, Kent. Hi, Jack. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Pretty good. Hey, I, you know, I think there's a country music hall of fame in Nashville. That's there is. Dolly yeah. should be. Yeah. And uh, you know, I imagine there's a, a jazz hall of fame in New Orleans or somewhere. Maybe want to have a, a pop music hall of fame in Barry Manilow's hometown or something. You know. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't see the country music hall of fame uh, put Devo in there. No. Yeah, so no, I don't know and, uh, why I don't know why Dolly Parton would be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I just don't get that. I don't think uh, Dionne Warwick and Ozzy Osbourne uh, should be in the same building. Yeah, well, I, actually, I would kind of like to see them in the same building, but uh, <laughs> just to yeah. just to overhear whatever the conversation was. Kent, thanks for the call, though. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's this isn't you know this isn't going to change the world. This isn't the end of the world, but um, kind of amazing that. Pat Benatar isn't already in there. Did I leave anybody out? Let me look at my list here again. Make sure I didn't. Oh, um, Beck is on the list. I mean, Beck Beck should be in there. I I get that. We play some Beck on this show. Um, And again, please don't get me wrong. The people that we're saying no to, I'm not saying they aren't legendary, great performers. I mean, Lionel Richie is not really my cup of tea, but I have to hand it to him. He sold a lot of records. A lot of people made love to Lionel Richie, right? There's a lot, of, a lot of people alive today because of a Lionel Richie song. Let's be honest about that. So I get it. Um, Carly Simon, beautiful voice, fantastic talent. When when Carly Simon does a song, I mean, she just it, it she defines it, right? Um, so these are these are great. And Dolly Parton's like you know, it's a, Dolly Parton's a national treasure. She should be on a stamp. But I don't know. I don't know. Are they rock and roll Hall of Fame candidates in your in your mind? 
To, and have you ever been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? It actually is a very cool uh, place. When we went, I don't know if this is still there, but when we went, the most fascinating exhibit I saw is a true story. I, again, I don't know if it's still there, but it was there in 2003. There was an exhibit that was like a platform or a pedestal, and on the pedestal was an upholstered chair, a little table, and a white telephone. And I mean like a, you know, Bakelite telephone, a corded telephone. And it didn't, it wasn't clear what this was or what this was supposed to represent. I thought maybe it was some famous person's telephone. And they said, this phone is a direct connection to Yoko Ono's apartment in New York City. And at any time she feels like it, she can call this phone and anyone attending the Rock and Roll Museum, Hall of Fame and Museum, if you're just walking by that exhibit and the phone rings, you can sit in that chair and talk to Yoko Ono. How random is that? And it didn't ring while we were there, and I really don't know what I would have said to Yoko Ono if it had rung. I thought of some kind of wise-ass things I would say. It's probably better that I didn't. But anyway, yeah, now that was probably a, a, just a limited-time exhibit. I don't think it's still there. Don't get your hopes up, but... Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating place, and around every corner they have something cool and unexpected, and it really, uh, I mean, you could spend a lot of time in there. They've done a nice job with it, and they have a radio studio, and I think they actually do not only guest shots for radio, but there's actually some radio shows that originate there all the time. So I'm not ripping them, I'm not knocking them, but come on, guys, I mean, you got to stand for something, right? I think we have uh, our news director, Dennis Foley, uh, with us here because mm-hmm. we want to update the. Uh, do we have you, Dennis? Oh yeah, I'm here. Okay. Well, I mean, I know you're there, but <laughs> am I paying? You're attention? there, but are you here? Is the <laughs> is the is the age old question? You know, <laughs> everybody's somewhere. Yeah, my mind's off um, somewhere else. You know, I know, I know. But um, obviously, a lot of people are watching the weather and wondering about decisions being made. And it's a tough decision. It's a tough call for these school districts, unless they're in the hill country, in which case a lot of them are are already moving. So what's the latest? Yeah, pretty much most of the school districts in our area are going to be closed tomorrow. Uh, if you're further north, let's say like San Marcos, uh, schools will probably be closed Friday as well. Um, so basically all of our area school districts are closed tomorrow. Uh, the only one still waiting uh, on making a decision is New Braunfels ISD. Uh, they said they're going to uh, probably update either later tonight or early tomorrow morning what they're okay. going to do. Uh, but generally across the board, um, it's closed. And uh, Comal ISD is one that's also closed Friday as well. But generally speaking, tomorrow, no school. But we have the full list, you know, your northeast, north sides, mm-hmm. all closed tomorrow. How about the colleges? Are they are they making decisions? Yeah, so uh, Texas A&M, San Antonio, um, they're going to do online only for tomorrow. And uh, that's the same thing going on with UTSA. All right. Complete list at KTSA.com. And, yep. And Dennis Foley, our news director. All right, 210-599-5555. So um, yeah, we're talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The 22, 2022 nominees are a pretty wide-ranging list. You would not, this would not be like uh, coming up this hour on KXXX. You know, you wouldn't play all these together. You certainly wouldn't play them all on a rock station should they all be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What do you think? 210-599-5555. I mean, I see... Beck and Pat Benatar and Judas Priest. I'll go with Duran Duran and Eminem. I kind of had my arm twisted a little bit on Eminem. I don't know, though. 
I don't think you're going to con- try to convince me Lionel Richie is a Hall of Fame rocker. You know, work work me on that. I want to hear that argument. There's got to be somebody out there that just adores Lionel Richie. Tell me how he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Um. The Canadian trucker protest has turned into a bigger and bigger and bigger event, and it's captured the imagination of the world. And it's fascinating to me, I think even more interesting than what the truckers are doing is what the Canadian politicians are doing. They're not hiding this at all. They're not reacting to this well at all. From Justin Trudeau on down, they've done nothing but smear, insult, and belittle the truckers, I don't think they realize that when they do that, they are insulting and smearing and belittling people that may not be physically part of this, but are spiritually part of it. I think there's a lot of people riding along with those truckers. You may be one of them. You're not there, but you kind of wish you could be. And so his his angle on this has been, this is appalling and disgusting and This is an attempt to intimidate the people that run this country. So let me me break that down for you. When the citizens of a country are oppressed and fed up by the policies of a government, and they express that, that expression of their opposition is insulting to the people in charge. That sounds to me like, if, if we just make it simple... When I'm in charge, you need to shut up. I don't want to hear your opinion unless you're praising me. You need to do what you're told unquestioningly. And I I don't just find it interesting if you disagree. I find it insulting. I'm so right, I'm insulted that you don't know how right I am. Isn't that what he's saying, basically? And there was even one of them. Now, remember, they're furious. And when you get mad, you blurt stuff out that you probably wish you could take back. There was a commentator on the CBC who suggested that the truckers are a Russian plant. Stay with me on this. He said that given Canada's support of Ukraine in the current standoff with Russia, I don't know, he said, if it's far-fetched to ask, but is there concern that Russian actors could be fueling things as this protest grows and perhaps even instigated it from the outset. Boy, that is some high-level stupid. That's stupid Hall of Fame stupid right there. They get in on the first ballot. So the, the Canadian truckers are Russian stooges. That's going to go over well. That should, uh, boy, I think they'll turn the trucks around and go home now. They're on to us, comrade. <laughs> they figured us out. The gig is up. The gig is up, Vladimir. We got to go home. Back to, back to, uh, back to Vancouver. Saw right through us. You know, um, if anything, I'll tell you what I think. If, if Russia has their little fingers in anything at all, I wouldn't be surprised if they have their fingers in the whole anti-fossil fuel movement. Because the, the further down that dead end we go, 
the stronger their position is. You know, the more I read about what's going on in Europe, the more I think that, and I don't want to get into the weeds here and bore you, but the more I read about what's going on with different European nations and the position they're taking on Russia and Ukraine, the more I realize this entire thing for the European countries is an energy question. In fact, I saw a map, I don't have it in front of me now, but there was a map of Europe that showed, it it color-coded each country by what their primary means of generating electricity are. Is it coal? Is it natural gas? Is it wind? And, you know, a lot of these countries are incredibly dependent on fossil fuels and on fossil fuels from Russia. So, where do you, what what kind of what kind of leeway do you think what kind of latitude do you think they really have if Russia takes Ukraine none if you are energy dependent if you are energy insecure your hands are tied in a, in, in countless ways it doesn't matter who you elect it doesn't matter how loud your voice is it doesn't matter what you call into the talk shows and say If your country is energy-dependent, that drives the bus all the time, everywhere. And so if if the Russians were were up to anything in our hemisphere, I would say they are definitely, if if they're not involved in it, they're cheering it it on, the whole anti-fossil fuel, let's be more dependent on wind and instable, unstable, unreliable uh, forms of energy. That would totally serve their interests and wreck our economy. But as far as the Canadian truckers, no, I don't think think Boris and Natasha have have, uh, infiltrated the Canadian truckers. Some people sending me pictures of bear shelves and bear uh, coolers and stuff at the stores. Uh, Have you seen panic buying today, tonight? Did you stock up on anything? What, what what did you think you needed to stock up on with this weather coming in uh, for tomorrow and Friday? And by the way, I, I was thinking about this during the break. Um, we 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 you know we kind of laugh about panic buying and people stocking up on eggs and bread and stuff whenever there's going to be a cold snap in San Antonio. We go crazy, right? Uh, but. It, it, there is a certain rationality to it now when you see the fragility of the supply chain. You know, when, you, when you're seeing, and I'm not saying it's rampant, but when you go to any store, HEB, Target, Walmart, and you see more empty shelves than you're used to um, ordinary, under ordinary conditions, under ordinary, you know, weather conditions, then I think that probably motivates more people to say, well, I really better go get some bread and milk and whatnot now. Even though this is, again, going to be a short-lived uh, you know, weather event. We're thinking that uh, probably we go into the deep freeze tonight, we're probably out of it at the latest by Saturday. So we're going to get an update here in a few minutes from our KTSA AccuWeather meteorologist, the latest on the front moving through now and the precipitation and what it's going to bring us and when it's going to bring us that. You heard Dennis say there's a lot of cancellations you can check out at KTSA.com. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on today. I want to play this for you. Um, 
This is the Walmart grandma. She's had over a million views and more coming all the time. This was in a Walmart in Canada where a guy was leaving the store with a shopping cart full of stuff he had not paid for. Brazen, broad daylight, the kind of thing we're seeing all over the place. And you'll hear on the video, a guy starts challenging the shoplifter. He's verbally challenging him. But then this grandma comes in, and she not only verbally challenges him, she basically smacks him. Take a listen to this. You going to pay for that? You going to pay for that? When? You going to pay for it? Come on, bud. Come on. Get out. Come on. Get out. Get out. Take your shit and go. Off. You just jack up the price for everybody else because you assholes. The most time they got caught. You jack up the price for everybody else because of you a-holes. It's about time you got caught. She tears off his ski mask with her bare hands. I mean, this is a lady with a my pillow at home. You know that, right? And she she's not having it. Get out! Take your shit and go. Now. I know there are people saying, oh, whoa, wait a minute, that wasn't a very good idea. What if he'd had a gun? She could have gotten hurt. I, can I just say, I, I, yes, I, we don't want to see anything happen to the lady, and if it was your mom or your grandma or your auntie, you'd be, you'd be worried about her. I get that. But can, can I just say, her generation is watching all this insanity, and no one's more put off by it than, than they are because... They have a rich memory of when things worked. You know, they, where, the younger you are, the less weird or shocking all of this is. The older you are, the more you cannot freaking believe how the wheels have come off. And then we talked yesterday about the, the big throwdown at Golden Corral in Pennsylvania. Forty people involved in a fist fight, throwing chairs, hitting each other with high chairs and and booster seats at Golden Corral. The fight started, we now know, in the steaks cooked to order line. No, there wasn't a they didn't run out of steaks. So wasn't wasn't the supply chain, not this time. Apparently, um somebody thought that another person had cut the line. But what had happened was the other person had ordered their steak rare. So even they, even though they ordered later, they got their steak sooner. That's, you know, how it works. So it started with the, hey, he cut the line, and why is he getting his steak? And then it uh, exploded from there. And people went all, you know, Jerry Springer show inside this uh, golden corral. I don't know, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush here, but... It just seems like the more masked up we are and the longer we've been masked up and whatever deprivation of oxygen is that, that that's creating, people are just losing their their ish. I mean, they, they, they interviewed a woman, one of the Pennsylvania stations interviewed a woman and said that she notices she works in uh, customer service, and she said 
There are a lot of really nice people, but when they're mean, they're a lot meaner now. Instead of saying, you know, this inconvenienced me, they're screaming, what the hell is wrong with you? My niece just took her first ever job. She's a teenager. She's got her first ever job in a supermarket uh, up in, in Massachusetts. And, you know, she's been to the supermarket countless times. But she was telling us when we visited at Thanksgiving how shocking uh, it was to have people that she did not know and who did not know her, and she, again, she's a little slip of a thing, say vile things to her about what wasn't on the shelf or how long the line was to check out or whatever. And it's, it does seem like we have just, I'm not excusing any of this. I'm not saying because you've had to wear a mask, you can be a jerk. But I think it's brought out more jerkiness, if I can use that word. I, I just think we've decivilized ourselves here. And again, we were talking earlier about unforeseen consequences of these COVID policies. It's coarsened and, and, and degraded civilization, I think. I mean, that may have already been happening. It was already happening. But I think it accelerated it. What do you think? Staples, the working and learning store. You know, when you lose a, a pet, when they pass away, it's not a one-day thing. I mean, it can, it can take a long time before you're ready to have another dog or another cat. I, I, like, for me, I, I've had dogs, you know, more than half my life. But when my German Shepherd died, it, it was probably at least six months before I could even start looking again. And the more important to you they are and the more you loved them, the harder they are to replace. It's just a fact. But you will. You will eventually get another one, and you will do this again, and you will love them again, and they will love you again. When that time comes, though, that you have to either say goodbye or they pass, it's good to know that Blue Bonnet Pet Crematory is there for you. And they're there for you in the way you need them to be, with affordable, flexible, final arrangements for your pet. So whatever you want to do to commemorate a box, an urn, a plaque, whatever you want to do, they're going to do that. They're going to make it easy for you to do and meet you halfway on it. And, and by the way, because they know that every time the phone rings at 210-566-4501, this is what somebody's calling about, a lot of compassion, a lot of sensitivity in how they do it. I, I, I've used them. I will use them again, I'm sure, and thousands of KTSA listeners have as well. That's 210-566-4501 or bluebonnetpetcrematory.com. All right, so we're going to check in again with our KTSA AccuWeather meteorologist, Bob Larson, and we're uh, uh, having the cold front come through now. We're waiting. On, well, we're we're seeing in some places, Bob, the precipitation, but what are we expecting in terms of when it switches over to freezing and what that mix will look like. One thing we're looking here now is that as it's turning colder, Jack, is the precipitation, the steady rainfall that's been with us, it kind of tapered off. In many cases, it's stopped. So it's kind of more intermittent now more than anything else. What's not intermittent is the wind. It's become gusty out of the north. That's driving those temperatures down as the front passes. Already down about 9, 10 degrees in the past uh, hour, hour and a half. We're headed for a low of about 33 in the city tonight with on and off rain. Probably stays just above freezing. Unfortunately, it's going to drop below freezing across the hill country in many areas. Mm-hmm. Also, 
just north of the city, upper 20. So it will become icy after about 3 a.m. in those places. For the city of San Antonio, winter weather advisory does not begin until 6 a.m. on Thursday. It does run through 9 p.m. Thursday evening. It's during the day Thursday that we're concerned about some icing, as there'll be uh, periods of freezing rain and rain. A little sleet can mix in. Uh, temperatures hold steady in the lower 30s, might briefly dip down to 31 or 30, and that's the concern for the icing. As it continues to turn much colder tomorrow night, it should be drying out, so that will help. But very cold tomorrow night, 23 in the city, 17 mm-hmm. tomorrow night in the Hill Country. So uh, this is some serious cold, and as the storm pulls away, we'll stay quite chilly heading into the weekend. So, Bob, in terms of the difference between the city and the Hill Country, is there any chance, obviously it'll be colder in the Hill Country, right. is there any possibility that this system brings us snowflakes? I don't think uh, in the immediate area, but certainly Hill Country, there could be snowflakes, but I'm, I'm most concerned about freezing rain and sleet and the problems that mm-hmm. that can cause, uh, right. which, as we know, can be in and of itself far more problematic than just some Snowflakes. So I would not be surprised if there's some snow, but I think it's mostly ice we're dealing with. Of course, we are talking about snow farther north across the state quite a right. bit. What a far-reaching storm this is. From Texas northeastward to the Great Lakes region, there's actually a couple of storms, one on top of the other, prolonging this precipitation. So we're not alone in this. This is, uh, this is certainly going to be a groundhog day to remember when it comes to wintry weather for many parts of the country. I think I speak for a lot of us, Bob, when I say we, we would have gladly been left out. If they had uh, yeah. if they had not included us, that okay would have been that, A-OK. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd be fine with that. But unfortunately, um, I guess different plans from Mother no. Nature. That's right. All right. Well, Bob, thanks for the great work you're doing. We appreciate you guys. And again, we're down to 49 at San Antonio Severe Weather Station, 550 and 1071 KTSA. You can see a complete list of cancellations, closures, and delays. A lot of lawsuits in the news today. Uh Retired uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, remember him from the Ukraine phone call impeachment? He's suing uh, the Trump family, uh, Rudy Giuliani, Fox News, a bunch of other people, uh, says that he was intimidated as a witness and that they ruined his future employment prospects in the field of national security. Um, did they ruin his prospects or did he ruin his prospects. Because I, I think it is safe to say that Alexander Vindman probably will not be hired by anybody uh, in a national security um, function. I think that's probably safe to say. Um, but it's interesting, right, because he's saying his lawsuit is about smearing and ruining and wrecking someone's reputation. But he was party to that. He participated in a massive effort to do that to President Trump over what we now know was a zip, nothing phone call. There's also a lawsuit today, and I want to I ask you about this and see how you feel about this. I think we have known all along that sooner or later, someday, somebody would bring this kind of an action, and it's being brought against the NFL and three of the teams in the NFL by former Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores. He was fired at the end of the last season, and it was a surprising firing because he turned the Dolphins around. They were a, an, a, you know, an over 500 team. Uh, they were a playoff contender. Um, they looked like they were headed in the right direction. And he now says that he faced racial discrimination while working for the Dolphins and that he believes he has faced it in the hiring process to get another job, that he 
that he isn't being fairly considered as a head coach uh, because of racism. And I've got some thoughts about that, and I want to see what you think about that. There's two big stories in football today, uh, and I think the, the one that they had hoped would be the, the, the narrative of the day would be that the Washington football team has a new name, the Commanders. Mm. <laughs> I'm not a fan of their team, so I, I guess it doesn't matter, but it seems very meh to me. It seems like a very generic, safe name. It may be because I read an article uh, this afternoon, I think it was at ESPN.com, where they said renaming a team is hell because you've got to do all these copyright searches and trademark checks and everything they were coming up with in Washington turned out to already be taken or uh, potentially too close to somebody else's trademark. So, I don't know, maybe maybe Commanders is a really underwhelming name because nobody else wanted it. But what a way to run a railroad, right? But the other big story, and I think this has been building for years. I I always I always knew we were going to get to this day, and we're we're at this day. Brian Flores is suing the NFL. He was the coach of the Miami Dolphins, very well thought of uh, assistant coach, uh, and then became a head coach. And if you're not a football fan, the Miami Dolphins were a dumpster fire when he took over, and. He left them a nine and eight team that looks like it's getting its act together. They play in a very tough division, but you know, a, a team that could that could be a wild card playoff team. So he gets fired, which is kind of surprising. And I remember when I heard that news, the first thought I had was, "Well, this is a guy that will get rehired immediately because he's he's good. Somebody else will pick him up." There were several vacancies, and he went for one of them. He went for the New York Giants coaching vacancy. And a weird thing happened. He got a text from Bill Belichick, the head coach of the New England Patriots. Now, Brian Flores used to work for Bill Belichick, so they know each other. They're friends. And he gets this text from Bill Belichick that says, congratulations on the Giants job. And at this point, he doesn't have the Giants job. And then Bill Belichick says, oh, oh, wait a minute, I'm sorry, I, I, I texted the wrong Brian. I, I was meant to text Brian Dayball, who did get the job. And Brian Flores thinks that is proof that when he interviewed with the Giants, they had already made a decision. And there's another reason to believe that, because the NFL has this ridiculous thing called the Rooney Rule. And the Rooney Rule started, I think, about 20 or 25 years ago. And it was in response to the embarrassing lack of African-American coaches. And so if I remember the Rooney Rule correctly, and I may be a little bit off in paraphrasing it, I believe it says that NFL teams have to conduct, I think it's two interviews, when they have a coaching vacancy, they have to conduct at least two interviews with African-American coaches outside their organization. So it doesn't count if you interview a guy already in the company, and you have to do at least two of them. And this was supposedly going to give more coaches the opportunity to move up, but what the Rooney Rule really did was create sham interviews. And so you would see guys that were really 
clearly qualified, like Eric Bieniemy and others, they'd go on all the every year. They'd go on a bunch of interviews, but never get hired. And it was the Rooney Rule. They already knew who they wanted, but they had to bring in a black guy to make it look good. And I don't know if the NFL has racist hiring practices. I mean, you're talking about 32 different teams. I, I don't know that there's 32 different racists or 32 different cultures, all of which are racist. That seems hard to prove. But that rule is ridiculous, and it's insulting. I'm not even black, and I find it insulting. I mean, it really is. I mean, hire people, don't hire them, but for crying out loud, don't make them go through a dog and pony show so that you will look better. And I gotta be, I gotta be honest, I don't, I, I don't know if Brian Flores has a case or not, but I believe that he believes he has a case. Because as a football fan, you know what I find frustrating? I, I don't really think about the race of who gets hired. Maybe I should, but I don't. I do notice that a lot of the same people get hired over and over again, and they're not very good. There's a, there's a kind of coaching carousel. And I don't think they're very good. And once in a while, they'll hire somebody who's inexplicable. Like Urban Meyer was one of the great college coaches of modern times, but it was, everyone who knows the pro game knows that was not going to work for him. And it was a disaster in Jacksonville. He didn't make it through the first year. (laughs) He couldn't make it through the, and, and he was coaching a team that was so bad that you and I could coach them and they'd be better. You could There was no place to go but up. And he still screwed it up in every way, including personal behavior that was just bizarre. Like, get your head examined. So I look at it this way. I don't know if black candidates for coaching jobs are being excluded or mistreated or not evaluated. I, I, I don't know. But I sure don't like who they are hiring. <laughs> I don't think they're doing a very good job of that at all. And um, yeah, I, I, if, if he, in his experience, believes that this is what's going on, then I believe that that's what he believes. The NFL has said today there is no merit to his claims, that they're committed to equitable practices and they're making progress. And part of his Part of the dilemma here, he's in his lawsuit, he is uh, demanding that the NFL increase diversity in hiring. But you see, what does that mean? Like, how, that, that's very vague. That's kind of mush words, right? Like, increasing diversity, what constitutes an increase? Is it an increase if you interview more black candidates for jobs? Or is it an increase when you hire more? How much is enough before we would say it was diverse? Who decides what enough is? And we're talking about head coaches and coordinators and GMs and director of player personnel, all of those things. He also wants pay transparency, which I don't think any business is very interested in doing. In other words, they don't want, they don't want it all out there. Um, you can see why he would want that, but I, I don't think you can get that. Uh, and he wants the NFL to encourage more black ownership, which again seems like another, a whole nother conversation. But as far as the coaching part of it is, I don't know how you feel about it, but to me, um, there is something very unsatisfying about how they do it. And again, it's not for me to be offended on behalf of African Americans, but boy, the, the Rooney rule seems really 
condescending and insulting. So I, I don't know. What do you think? 210-599-5555. Were any laws broken? I don't know. Will the NFL change its ways? Will they do some things that are visible or not visible? By the way, a lot of people have made the point today that Brian Flores has just utterly destroyed his chance of ever being a head coach. I think that's right. That also kind of leads me to believe that he is sincere in this. Whether you think he's right or wrong, and you can be, you can be sincere and be wrong, right? I mean, that, that's, it's possible to be both. But I tend to think that he could have gone very quietly, had a private meeting with the commissioner, said, look, you know I've done a good job in Miami. It really looks fishy what happened with the Giants job. I if if I don't see X, Y, and Z start to happen, I've got lawyers, we're gonna bring a cat. He could have done all that and, and he would have been employable. I kinda think that he probably feels strongly about the position he's taken. And he may not coach again, or at least not in the NFL. So you know, it, it's easy to get tired of all this talk and everything is race, but there does seem to be something fishy about the way the NFL runs things. And um, if he's right or if he's wrong or if he's part right or he believes that this is going on, how would you, how would you respond to that or how would you deal with that? Um, there's a lot of other stuff in Brian Flores' uh, suit. He uh, has some really bizarre, and again, I don't know if they're credible or not, uh, accusations about stuff the Dolphins owner wanted him to do and made him do or told him to do or whatever. That doesn't sound good. If it's true, it doesn't sound kosher. But but I'm mainly interested in what you think about the whole idea that the NFL has very few black coaches. It's a sport that's predominantly played by black athletes. Uh, Ex-athletes, retired athletes, are the main source of coaches and coordinators and and probably should be. So the numbers don't really seem to make sense. That may not be racism. You know, I can understand he suspects it is. It may or may not be that. But I think they're pretty out of whack. And I, and I think they've done this to themselves. And I think that rule they made, and it was 20 years ago, not 25, I misspoke, the Rooney Rule was like a it was like a, a self indicting, self damning rule. If you say we're going to make you interview black candidates for a coaching position, that's like saying because otherwise you wouldn't, right? I mean, so how stupid is that? If you make it a rule, that means it wouldn't have happened. It wasn't going to happen on its own, or freely. So I think he has some stuff to work with here. And again, he he's the right guy to bring it because when you look at not only what happened to him in Miami, but also at the people that have been passed over and the people that have actually been hired for some of these jobs, it's, it's kind of weird. It kind of looks, if it's not racism, maybe it's just more of a who knows who and insiders and you know, old boys network kind of thing. William is on five fifty and one oh seven one KTSA. Hi, William. Oh, hello. I wanted to share with you that I had a chance to 
hear some Edwards give a talk four years ago in Durango, Colorado, and he he spoke to this topic and said that he and Tony Dungy were best friends and that the quality of, of, a, of a coach's uh, ability would always bring them to the top. And that I wish this coach had had a chance to talk with Herm Edwards. And if Herm Edwards is listening, I, I wish he would call into your show. But there's two examples of guys that just rose to the top mm-hmm. and they didn't need any of mm-hmm. this assistance mm-hmm. of uh, the rule that you talk about. Where they I agree with you that, I mean, if you're really good at this, you will get hired. But I also think when you look at who does get hired and how they they seem to rotate people like, you know, certain guys that are kind of not so great keep getting hired somewhere. They keep getting a job somewhere. It does look like it's not purely merit. Mm, well... You know, some, once in a while they will reach into the college ranks and they will pick somebody out, and that almost never works. You know, for every one time that works, there's five or six or seven where that's a that's a failure. This guy in Carolina is not working out, and and I I just it seems like they miss some pretty obvious people. I mean, when you watch like ESPN, you see former players that are articulate that make great observations about the game, and you think to yourself. Their analysis it would would go a long way in a locker room or or designing plays. I wonder why they're not coaching. Interesting. Uh, you're pretty familiar with Herm Edwards, aren't you? Oh yeah, yeah. I like both of those guys. I like Tony Dungy and Herm Edwards. Yeah. Herm was San Diego State in college, cornerback, yeah. and then Philadelphia Eagles, and then he and Tony Dungy coached it. Tampa Bay, and then he had Kansas City by Kansas himself, City, yeah. and, and now he's at Arizona State. And right, doing very well. So, yeah, I, I feel sorry for this 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 coach at Miami. That you know, I know he feels downtrodden, but I don't I don't think he's truly got the raw deal. He just he just didn't come up to what they were looking for, and it's yeah. a competitive business. And maybe he'll get hired by one of these top-level colleges like Herm Edwards, mm-hmm. and he can mm-hmm. pick up where he left off. But Well, thank okay. you for addressing this. You yeah. did a great job, and uh, we're... thank you for your good work. Thank you, William. That's very nice. I appreciate that. Good call. Uh, Mike is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Hello, Mike. Mike, can Hello. you hear us? Hear you. Yes, Mike. Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, what do you think about this? Man, Jack, I love your show. Like, love, love your show. And this, I don't ever call in. This is my first time to ever call in. I am so tired of the race being the deciding factor. What happened to picking the best guy or or girl for the job? Mm -hmm. Whether it be... Uh, Congress or coaches or right. whatever. Right. Pick the best person for the job, regardless of race, and let's move forward. That's all I got to say. I love your show. Have a good evening. Okay, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Um, you know, when I was thinking about bringing this up, first of all, I know that a lot of people 
their heads explode when we talk about sports, but too bad because that's one of the things we talk about on this show. It's not a sports show, but we talk about a, a wide variety of subjects. Secondly, I thought, you know, I'm tired of everything being brought back to race, and I'm tired of people that seek to divide us by race. And if I thought Brian Flores was simply a guy that was doing that or exploiting that, I wouldn't have brought this up. I, I value our time together. There's only so many things we can cover in a three-hour show, and I, it's hard. It's really hard because there's a lot I want to bring up and just not a lot of time to do it. Here's why I thought this was important, and I do think this is important. First, there is something off about the um, rate or the occurrence of black head coaches in not only uh, pro football but college football. So I don't know that it's racism. It may be. It may not be. But if it's if it's a meritocracy, which is what we want it to be, and you may believe that it is, like our last two callers, it, then it still doesn't look like it's working uh, completely. Secondly, this is a guy who's had success. He's not a disgruntled failure looking for somebody to blame. And he has just torpedoed what would probably have been pretty good prospects. In other words, he was on the path that Herm Edwards and Tony Dungy were on. He was going to get another job. He feels so strongly about this that he's taken an action that may preclude that from happening. So I... That, to me, mean, means it's worth considering. Now, you you may say, well, look, I still reject his reasoning, and I don't think the hiring uh, ratios are out of line, and I think there may be reasons for it. I don't know what those reasons are. I watch a lot of football. There's a lot of really mediocre coaching. There really is. There's a, there's a lot of people at the college and pro level that when you watch the game, uh, make calls, make decisions, squander talent, waste young quarterbacks, waste first-round draft choices. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Not that I'm an expert, but I know enough to know they're not. this is not well done. So if it's something else other than race, I'm open to that. But I, I think it's time somebody opened the hood and took a peek underneath because the engine doesn't sound right. Welcome to uh, not the best kept secret in D.C. Okay, Today's a big day for our team, our fans, a day in which we embark on a new chapter as the Washington Commanders. Woohoo! Go Commies! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, they were saying that it was hard to pick a name because... When they started uh, looking at names that had been suggested, and they, they had a contest, and people from all over the world sent in names, and uh, there were all these different cool names, but um, a lot of the names that were suggested were problematic because other people had them. Or the logo would be too close to somebody else's trademarked logo, and that's a really big deal because of you know the money they make off 
insignia and sportswear and stuff like that. So anyway, they were considering uh, like the Red Wolves. They were considering calling it the DCFC, the DC Football Club, but there's already a DCFC in Detroit that plays soccer, same team colors, ironically. So there were all these different issues with names and logos and colors, and it seems like they wound up with kind of a, I guess you'd say kind of a vanilla-sounding name or kind of a boring-sounding name because everything else, everything else good was taken. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, one more thing about the, the Brian Flores story. I, I, I've had some email from people who are pretty upset that we're talking about it or upset that we're talking about racism. I, you know, I'll agree with you that it, I'm tired of people trying to pull everything through that one hole in the fence, but that doesn't mean there isn't any. It doesn't mean there is no such thing. And it also, I, I would just ask you before you dismiss his claim and shake your head, if you've ever, in your job or in your line of work, if you've ever felt like the fix was in, if you've ever felt like you got passed over for something, you got cheated out of something, you got mistreated, there was favoritism, there was nepotism, there were all these other things. If you've ever experienced that, I mean, you survived it, you you got through it. We're, we're, we all deal with it at one time or another, but it is a pretty ugly feeling. So this this young man feels that way, and he has a right to go and go to the courts and and seek redress for it. I, I'm I'm interested to see what happens, and we'll see. One of the reasons there may be a problem with former players becoming coaches, and again, I'm just generalizing. I don't know that this is true, but I wonder sometimes if it starts with education, because if you are going to be successful at the highest levels of coaching or being a a general manager or being a director of player personnel, you have to have a solid education. You have to be a good writer. You have to be a good speaker. You have to understand economics. You have to understand the law, at least some of it, like employment law and things, contract law and things like that. And how often do we focus on the end product of education, but we don't focus enough on the the beginning, the front end. So like this whole deal right now with affirmative action in college, well, minorities are underrepresented in the colleges. Well, is that because you you send them to crappy public schools for the K through 12? Could it be? I mean, is it possible that if you're not seeing the diversity you think you should be seeing in college, it's because a lot of those students you're not seeing get into college never had a chance because the public schools failed them. And there's a story today in the Washington Examiner that says 77% of Baltimore students, public high school students, 77% are reading at an elementary school level. Well, a whole lot of them are not going to go any further. And you can try to fix that in the colleges with affirmative action admissions, but they still won't, they'll still be bad readers. I mean, you won't have helped them. You'll have just changed the way things look. And I wonder if that's the case with coaching. I wonder how many truly talented players have been the victims of getting a terrible 
substandard, nobody gives a damn because he can play football, education. Well, if you do that, yes, when they're when their playing days are over and you got what you wanted out of them, which is he's a, the best wide receiver we ever saw, when that's over, there isn't anything else for that guy to do because he didn't get the, the basis, the foundation to, do, to, to, to go to the next level, to do the next thing. 77%. I wonder how many other cities and states those kinds of numbers prevail. I'm sure it's not just Baltimore, right? You know that. You know it's not just Baltimore. And I, I would think in a country like ours, as much as proud as we are of, you know, the, 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 the founding ideals, right? All men are created equal. It, look, anyone can grow up to be president. I don't know how we have time to, to, to angst or focus on anything else. If almost eight out of ten kids in a public high school can't read past the Dr. Seuss books, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it is believable, but it's unacceptable. Uh, did you stock up for tomorrow? Did you think you needed extra bread, milk, etc.? Um, Seventy-nine percent tonight said no. Twenty-one percent said yes. I don't blame people. I didn't do it. I don't do it, but I, I don't blame people with the. Shortages we already have of many things. I, I, I understand why people are feeling the way they are. And I, I, you know, 2021 is still fresh in our memory. I don't think this will be like that. And, uh, we'll be here for it one way or the other. Uh, but, uh, that was our poll. Tomorrow night we'll have a new one. We'll get started at four. There's always a JR poll at KTSA.com. You know, um, we were, we're talking about the the football team name and um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame discussion. We had this earlier. I don't know if you were listening earlier. We were talking about the sort of bizarre, far-ranging list of artists who are nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, a number of people who are famous but are not rockers. Um, it's interesting to see what's happened to rock and roll. Like maybe maybe the the way they're doing it over there, maybe they're not so far off after all. A lot of people have noticed. We've talked about it. A lot of people are noticing that rock and roll has gone from being the hippies to being the cops. And what I mean by that is. They were always the rebels, right? They were always the people about whom the police were called. They were always the people for whom laws were passed, right? They were the ones that made the establishment uncomfortable, right? And now you look at Neil Young trying to push Joe Rogan off Spotify and these other people that are these these other artists, a few other artists, Nils Lofgren and Joni Mitchell, not very many, who are saying, yeah, me too. And, and, of course, Spotify made their decision very quickly. Okay, well, we're glad to forego Neil Young music. Same thing with Joni Mitchell. But it's interesting to watch this, right? The, the, the hippies, the flower children, the rebels, the people that were never going to conform are the most conforming people of all. 
And I'll even stretch it out a little further. I don't know if you listen to Howard Stern or you know even know who Howard Stern is, but Howard Stern was was one of the the most popular shock jocks of the seventies. Eight, well, I guess mainly eighties, nineties, and today. Um, true story. He went to my college and worked at the same radio station I did, but not at the same time. He's older than me. He, um, you know, he made a career out of being a guy that was constantly in danger of being taken off the air or having his radio stations delicensed by the FCC for doing outrageous things, saying outrageous things. And now Howard Stern is another one of these people who's become the man, you know? And I guess it's because if you hang around long enough, it just happens to you. You just, you, you get so successful, you get so comfortable, you want these young kids to get off your damn lawn. It's sad in a way, right? I mean, Long life should be a good thing. Longevity is a good thing. We like to see these people have long lives, and I'm happy that Neil Young is still alive. Don't get me wrong, but maybe he's lived so long that he's become the people he used to warn us about, and maybe that's inevitable. Maybe, maybe if you if you live long enough, that's who you turn into. Certainly, who they have turned into. Those three, anyway. Back here tomorrow, all the breaking news, a chance to talk about it. We'll be on top of the weather and how it's affecting things. Join us at 4 here on 550 and 1071 KTSA.